Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I am the digital resource resource curator and producer <laughs> of the Faith to Go podcast. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, the youth missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And I feel like I need to add something else to my title because you're just adding things. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a new thing every week. Um, it'll be a 15-minute introduction by next year. And then we can just give less points. Yeah, just one point a week and <laughs> 57, 57 parts of the epithet. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this week's uh, podcast for this uh, for the reading of the for the gospel coming up this upcoming Sunday, August 1st, which is proper 13, if you keep in track in your liturgical calendars, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. We're so thankful for you all uh, for tuning back in uh, this week. And we'll be talking about John chapter 6, the very next um, story from John's gospel uh, after last week's gospel. So we're still in John. Uh, taking a departure from Mark's gospel for this moment. And like every week, we like to check in, one of us, about where we saw God this past week. And it's my turn. It's your turn. This week. Where did you see God, David? So, um, where did I see God? Well, uh, my son, George, turned three yes. on Saturday. Unbelievable. I know, it's crazy. So we had a small gathering uh, in the park closest to our house. Uh-huh. And I think like the whole week was so, it was such a, so many different emotions for me and for uh, my wife, Mar- Mary Lynn, who's a all-star of the podcast as well. Just like, it's just so, such a crazy experience to, we were watching videos of him from one year ago and he's like still a little baby. Mm-hmm. You know, and now he's like this little kid, like running around with ideas and he tells stories and he sings songs and he says so many words. And it's just it's just crazy to see how much he's changed. And it's like hard for it's hard to keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so jarring and everything moves so fast. And so I think we were having some like it was such an an amazing combination of like joy and grief last Mm. week you know like when he's three he's not a baby anymore i mean he's the friday night he still wasn't a baby but it was like saturday there's like something symbolic (laughs) (laughs) about him being three years old because up until saturday he was still a two-year-old you Mm -hmm. know and a two-year-old is like a little toddler baby (laughs) you know um so i felt god moving in those in those emotions really like in the invitation to like be present with those feelings of like when to to just be aware of what it's like just the overwhelming realities of being a parent mm-hmm. you know and all the things that come with it and the feeling of like oh my gosh this is moving so fast and it's that yearning for them to always for george to always be my little tiny baby george and also this joy in watching him grow up and right. both are happening all the same at the same time Right. You know, and there, I felt we felt that very acutely, and I felt that very acutely, leading up to his birthday and on his birthday. So I feel that I felt God's movement in the week leading up to the birthday and his birthday celebration, and I really feel God in all those like longings and yearnings. You know, to um, for parenting both to be like so exhausting, mm-hmm. and also like when he goes to bed, 
both I am like exhausted and want to like just lay down and both him and Fritz are six month old. It's like, I want to just lay down, but also I miss them, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. just such a crazy experience, you know? And so I, it's just like my hope for myself is just be aware of all those things and to like process them regularly with my wife and to like think about them and to just to be able to recognize that they're true and they're happening and those emotions are coming up. Well, and I think it's a really powerful reminder for all of us that God is present in all of the rhythms of our life, mm-hmm. in the up moments, in the down moments, in the complicated moments, um, and that it's sometimes when we feel like we're overwhelmed or that it's too hard or that we're just going through the motions, maybe that's a fair one too, that we don't notice that God's right there with us, right? right? Mm-hmm. But God is there in the rhythm of all of those things of life and especially in those complicated parenting moments mm-hmm. of the joy of watching them grow up and the deep sadness that goes yeah. along with the the period of time that's left behind right yeah so if you all have any uh, god sightings this past week we would love to hear from you uh we would also love to hear any of your stories or reflections from this week of faith discussion and reflection with your family or with uh individually mm-hmm. on this gospel you can email us faith to go at edsd.org you can contact us through our website myfaithtogo.org or you can follow us or contact us through instagram at faith to go and we are going to get into the gospel for this uh upcoming sunday august 1st again proper 13 Charlotte's going to read it, and then we're each going to share a point. The reading is John 6, John six twenty four to 35. The next day, when the people who remained after the feeding of the 5,000 saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. All right. So, as you can tell, uh, this is all happening right after the feeding of the 5,000 story from John's Gospel from the beginning of chapter 6 that we read last week. Jesus is up around the Sea of Galilee again. Or as John refers to it sometimes, the Sea of Tiberias. And they're going from the east side back to the west side where uh, Capernaum is and where Nazareth is and uh, all those in that region of Galilee where Jesus is from. So they're back on the populated side of the sea from the other mountainy open 
arid side of the sea on the east side. And so all these people have now gone back over to the other side to look for Jesus. So that's where we are. John chapter 6, right after the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus is back in his home region of Galilee, interacting with the people that he just fed miraculously the day before. Mm-hmm. So that's the context for this story. And Charlotte has the first point. I do. And mine comes right at the start of this session. Um, and I think that it, what I love about it is, well, I guess that it's a message that resonates for me in my own personal life, maybe right now, that sometimes when we come to the gospel, we can see larger pictures um, and deeper threads. And then sometimes it's like, wait a minute, this actually connects to something I'm personally experiencing right now. And for me, that happened as I was reading this. And it's because right here at the beginning, we hear... The next day, when the people who remained after the feeding of the 5,000 saw that neither Jesus or, nor his disciples were there. So it's, it's the fact that it's the people that remained, right? So Jesus fed 5,000 people a miracle, broke some loaves, shared some fishes, 5,000 people were fed. Jesus leaves, walks on water, they get to the other side, and the next day the people who remained went to find him because they couldn't find him. Well, Jesus fed 5,000 people. Where are all of them? They went home, obviously, back to their lives or maybe to work or whatever it is that they did. But only some of them remained and came looking for Jesus again um, for more information. Maybe they were coming for breakfast, wondering what was you know next to be served. But sometimes Jesus is answering a deeper question, which David is going to get more into in a few minutes. And I have to think that those people that remained were looking for Jesus because they wanted more. And it just leaves me wondering about the rest of the people. Did they get enough? Did they go on their way to proclaim the good news of what had happened that day and share the love of Jesus with the world? Did they think, hmm, that was kind of interesting? I you know, it was a tasty meal. I can't believe it happened that way. Um, or were they totally uninterested and were just like, okay, time to get back to work in my life. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that resonates for me is at Christchurch in my role there, we've complete, uh, we've had 50 people c- complete sacred ground and we're in the process of discerning what the next steps are from there. And we've had meetings and conversations and there's still voices that we hadn't heard from. And so we sent out just a two question survey. And basically the, the survey is, do you want to continue? Um, and if so, then you get to share like whether that's in educational work or in an action committee or any of these other innumerable ways that we've identified. But the main question is, do you want to continue the work? Mm-hmm. And it's an important question because we all come to things at different times in our lives. Sometimes we're not ready um, to keep going. Maybe we were ready to have the entryway conversation to take this first step in anti-racism work. And now where we are in it is that we have to push pause on that work because we have toddlers at home and my husband's just back to work and a million other things. And so we haven't found the room in our lives for it. Um, And that's not said with any judgment on anybody. It's just that things in life tend to come in seasons, I think, for most of us human beings, because we're humans. Um, And then sometimes the work is too hard, and we get scared of the work. And so we have to push pause because we're afraid to continue. 
And the people that are responsible for leading, for creating the space for people to continue to do the work um, of becoming anti-racist or any other ministry or mission that you're working on, the people that are having those brave conversations with people trying to open the door, it's hard not to feel like you haven't done something wrong, like you didn't do it in the right way or serve them correctly. Mm-hmm. If people choose not to continue, mm-hmm. if they, and sometimes they don't even tell you why they're not continuing, right? That you have, that you've reached out by phone, you have reached out at church, you have sent an email, you've created a survey, and there's people whom you're just never going to hear from again, mm-hmm. no matter how hard you try. And in that moment of self-doubt and complication and wondering if you've done enough or are doing it well enough, I'm reminded that not everybody showed up to find Jesus the next day, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. He fed 5,000 people with some loaves and some fishes, and not everybody was there the next day looking for Jesus, being like, Rabbi, teach us more, mm-hmm. um, or Rabbi, give us breakfast, that some of the people didn't come back, and we don't know why they didn't come back. And so I'm just mindful of the fact that the work is what's important. Living into a Christ-centered life is what's important, whether that's anti-racism work or any other way in which you are exploring your faith and growing in relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And that inviting people to be part of that journey is really important. But if they choose not to go or if they're not ready in that moment to go, it doesn't mean you should give up or you should feel bad. You should just keep going yourself. Mm Yeah, and I love how that that way that Jesus is kind of like meeting not, without kind of a a need for any particular outcome is kind of like meeting people where they are, mm-hmm. and that is that kind of is my part of my point, which is that I am I just I kind of I love the kind of shift here in Jesus. On he's like moved to the he shifted to the other side of the sea, and now it's kind of like shifting the the thing that he's offering to people and so it's there's a couple things that are really interesting to me about this um this story and one of them is that like jesus didn't jesus didn't like feed everyone and then say these things to them mm-hmm. on the other side i mean he he was he had the perfect in with the bread thing he could have brought out the bread of life thing you know, mm-hmm. he just gave them a bunch of bread. And when he was passed, after they were all done, he could have been like, by the way, everyone, I am the bread of life. <laughs> this, that, and the other thing, <laughs> you know? So, like, he didn't do it then. Mm-hmm. Instead, he, it's like this interaction only happens because this person goes out of their way to go find Jesus and then to ask and then to, to re-engage him. And, you know, maybe for Maybe, maybe because he wants, maybe because they want more food or maybe because they genuinely wanted to know when they were like, oh, Jesus, we were worried about you. Where'd you go? I don't know. But like, I think it's so cool how one thing that's so cool to me is how Jesus, Jesus like is, has such a clarity of mind and, and an awareness of, of people's need that he knows he can, he meets people he meets people's needs as they are arising right where they are. And so like the night before they needed food, Mm -hmm. you know, and the food was important. Like Jesus doesn't get done saying this. Jesus doesn't say this in order to communicate the fact that real bread is not what's important. 
He's saying like real bread is important clearly because the day before this whole thing was precipitated by his compassion for the crowd and wanting them to be fed. He didn't walk away from, he didn't, he wasn't like the disciples didn't come to him and were like, Oh Jesus, what are we going to do with all these people? We should send them away because they're hungry. He's like, you know what? You're right. What they really need is the bread of life, you know? So then he like tells them the bread of life thing and then walks away while they're all still hungry. Because he knows that it's, it's like it's hard to hear that when you're preoccupied with trying to eat. You know, when you're so hungry, you don't know where your next meal is going to be. So it's like he meets them in that physical need. And I think he calls us to to like build a world where people's physical needs are met. Mm-hmm. Everyone's. And that on that foundation, then he builds like a the spiritual nourishment that people need as well and so they're kind of working in tandem and so it's cool to me that this conversation is only precipitated by the fact that jesus did this miraculous feeding thing the day before because without that this person wouldn't have had this conversation with him so it's like the the physical the meeting of the physical need is the doorway to this kind of teaching and and recognition of a deeper spiritual need and that that inter and that what hap what what the what the f- meeting of the physical need leads to what that miracle leads to is a dialogue mm-hmm. and a depth of relationship where now they each know more about the other one than they did before so like this person is coming to Jesus knowing that he is a worker of miracles and 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 can feed people in this amazing miraculous way and maybe he does come wanting his breakfast or wanting yeah. the breakfast the next day. But what they what they get is a deeper recognition of who Jesus is, of Jesus' identity. And so they know they know Jesus better now than they did before. And it's only because of the miracle that Jesus did. And so I think what to me the point one of the points of this story is that Jesus is saying Jesus is saying people's meeting physical needs is extremely important mm-hmm. that is part of the work it is not though an end in itself because beyond that is the meeting of people's spiritual needs which is also important and that even that is not an end in itself because beyond that the the real end is relationship is health and depth of relationship and so everything Everything we do, we do with an eye on growing in depth of relationship with other people and with God and with ourselves. But through through our relationship with other people, those things happen. And so it's like, yes, these are all important things, but only in as much as they they lead to relationship, not for our own like not not just for not in like a selfish way like oh i want to have as many relationships as i can because it makes me a better person it's like there is something that we all need we all need that kind of depth of relationship you know and so i think it's just an invitation for these like for like going in further and fur- further and further and further into the levels of of um what we need what we need of one another how we're in de- how we're dependent on one another uh, because we could have as much food as we need. Yep. But often that puts us, that disconnects us from relationship with a lot of other people in the world, you know? So I think it's just like all wrapped up together. 
Well, and as you were talking about it, I especially as you were talking about the different levels of relationship, I was it immediately made me think of Matthew 25, mm-hmm. um, verse 35 to 40, right? So for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And we know that, you know, that Jesus then turns it around and says that that's in how we treat each other. And all of those things are ways in which we are in relationship. It's not always about the food. It's about meeting the person where their need is. And that the relationship that we form with each other is also our relationship with God. And how we need to be open to hearing, seeing, believing what the other person in the relationship needs. Instead of being like, hey, yesterday I gave you bread. Here's some more bread. Mm. Um, because maybe that's not what that person needs at that moment. And Jesus quite clearly identified in the section of scripture from today that no, it was time for this more spiritual and deep step in their relationship. Mm. And where are we called to be like that too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, yeah. And it's like, it's not just about identifying who out there needs me. It's also recognizing that I mm. need them as well. Yeah. And yeah. And so, any of this work we do, especially around justice issues and anti-racism, it's like as long as I'm doing it because I know other people need me when I'm disconnected from my own need for everyone's liberation for my own. Right. Then I'm going to perpetuate. I'm going to perpetuate the problem most likely. Because if I keep, if it's like thinking about like feeding people, if all, if my whole goal is to just keep feeding people rather than creating a world in within which everyone has what they need, then I'm just going to keep, I'm just going to keep the systems in place so that I can keep feeding people because it makes me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm, I'm happy that I'm giving them what they need um, because I need them to need me Yeah, kind of thing. So it's just like if yeah because the re- that's why i think the relationship thing is important because we can't it it makes it so that if we're just perpetuating if we're just if if we just stop at like giving people if we just stop at giving people their physical needs then we're we're not getting we're all missing the, way. the point yeah mm-hmm. we're getting we're missing the point again yeah. but not that that's not important Right. Because we, we all need that. So I don't know. It's just like a, a, an invitation to recognize our interdependence and the way that that reliance on one another should lead us to want more for everybody. Yes. You know, and not just for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting, David, because like now I have like three more thoughts that are in my head that I totally want to talk about with you. And the reality is that our podcast is a finite level. That's true. But that does make me want to say, and I'm totally jumping on your host things. You can introduce yourself as that next time. Is that (laughs) what did this conversation spur for all of you today? Mm -hmm. Because like for me, I have about 19 more thoughts that I want to just spend another half an hour sitting here and talking with David about. And as you're listening to us today, have this conversation and the different ways that we are exploring the gospel and the things that it's bringing up within our own hearts. What's it stirring for you? Yeah, it's a good question. And as you know, we always want to hear from you. (laughs) Uh, so let's let's recap those points. Uh, point number one was uh, Charlotte, and it was about the people that uh, didn't follow Jesus back to the other side, you know, and the fact that um, 
we just don't know what the outcomes are going to be of our of our work of our relationships you know of our conversations and so when we how can we go about uh, our work uh, like Jesus did without you know a need for specific outcomes you know that we can just go about it knowing that it is ours to do and being in relationship with the people that want to take part in it when they want to take part in it you know because that's meeting them where they are and the second one was mine and it was this kind of balance that Jesus is showing us between the the real des- his real desire to change the way that um people have access to the things that they need for their physical wellness as well as in tandem inviting them through that n- that met need to spiritual wellness as well and that the whole thing is meant to lead us towards deeper relationship with one another and so we would love to hear what your third point would be or what are your some of your thoughts or comments or questions or reflections from this story of uh jesus uh encountering this person that was one of the five thousand from the day before you can always email us faith to go at edsc.org you can contact us through our website myfaithtogo.org or you can contact us through or follow us on Instagram at faith to go We would love to hear from you. And that is our discussion of this gospel for the week leading up to August 1st. We'll be back next week for uh, to discuss the gospel from August 8th, uh, proper 14. And until then, we say goodbye. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.